One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Include, but is not late to talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the jump that follows this song, but hey, we give it a try. So here's the Knights of Vader. Fox they are divided. For equal sequel, hate and love, they fight I know that we are just musicians hired, and their time is up. So here's the Knights of Vader. Impressive. Most impressive. Thank you, Uncles, again for Existential Crisis for providing our theme song. It is February 26, 2022, and I'm Zinger, not Zach. And joining me is Chris Porteous, not Zach, and Joe Yazzo, also not Zach. Welcome, gentlemen. I would love to say that I'm super excited, but, you know, as the listeners probably realize, it took us a little bit of time to sort of build up the energy to talk about chapter seven of the book of Boba Fett. I don't know if Joe has any initial thoughts either, but, uh, you know, we, we definitely were given pause by watching this episode. I am super excited that it is over. I think that's the only thing I'm excited about. Um, it finished. That's basically all I could say. It finished. I don't know. <laughs> I, we don't want to be like that. But I mean, if I'm if I'm just going to sort of honestly sort of sum up my reaction, it's it's like the first four chapters were sort of sort of ho-hum, like going through the motions, like what's really the point here? I'm sure it's building up to something interesting. Five was really good. Six was at least interesting. I don't know if I like, I don't, it didn't six. It wasn't a religious experience for me as it was for some, but I, I respect it for those who it was, but seven is just like there, there's something weird going on with the action direction. I don't, and I know Rodriguez did theoretically direct this episode. I would love to sort of see a breakdown of sort of how first and second unit were divided. I think the weird thing for me is like the, physicality the logic of the action just doesn't make a lot of sense to me you know i think that's what drawing me out of it the execution of like fights and interactions between action set pieces like big robot tanks for example that seem to just aim just below the feet of the people they're chasing in a straight line stuff like that i just it just pulls me out of it a little bit and i think it's it's weird because there's such a stark contrast between how the fights even worked in chapter five, where, for example, you have Din accidentally hurting himself worse than anyone got hurt really in chapter seven of the book of Boba Fett. So if, for me, it just seemed weird. The, the action just seemed sort of disconnected and nonsensical. And, and, and I mean, I, I'd like to pull in perspective of perspectives of objective outside viewers and, you know, uh, my girlfriend's not really a Star Wars fan. Like she puts up with me talking about it all the time. I watched every episode of this with her and her general reaction to most of the things that happened in this episode were something to the effect of get the hell out of here with that. Like she was just not buying the the reality of the situations. And I know it's how funny that sounds to say that in the context of this universe. And people are always like, this is not scientifically accurate for you really this show with lasers and monsters and all that 
but yeah, there's, I feel like I've said that numerous times I, I, on this I, very show. I know, I know, but but don't you think that's sort of a like that's a cop out re- reply? It's like uh, it's like the guy from the story group that we talked about in the last episode who was like, oh, don't, don't point out plot holes. Don't point out the fact that Yoda's lightsaber was already destroyed. You're thinking about it too much. Just eat your popcorn and enjoy it. You, you know, it's I, w- I wasn't getting that sort of cynicism from her watching any of the other chapters, which I thought was interesting. Um, I guess my review per se, because I'm going to, of course, when we do our full review, I'll have a more in-depth thing. But if you want a uh, earlier opinion for me you can also go listen to the zingness episode discussing it which should be out this week as well so shocker there take that i'm not gonna say if it's a zing wars or zing this haven't known what to tag it as so take that not zach and zach yeah you can't um, do anything about it yeah exactly unless he bleeps everything i just said out i went into this show with zero expectations and i mean that in the most positive way possible i was like make me care about boba fett Make me interested in this character. And I have left the show with my expectations purely in the same boat of cool. I, I, I got what I wanted. Like in the end, I'm like, I vaguely care about the character now because I have in canon stuff. That's not books or comics to lean on because it's harder to retcon this stuff. So in the end, I was like, cool. Awesome. There was a minor detour for two episodes, but it is what it is. And Joe, Joe, how would you sort of if you're looking at this seven, these seven episodes uh, as a sort of a a theoretical narrative continuum? Like, do do you have the same sense that seven is strangely like it feels really disconnected even from the first four to me? I don't know about you. Not my Boba Fett. And that's that's the one thing that opened my eyes to it. You had the seventh episode, which was basically the kitchen sink. They threw everything at you. You had everything that you thought it was going to be based on what you saw in the last six episodes. And I don't know. It was just it was it was fun to watch. But this is you know, I grew up watching this as a little kid. You know, I saw I saw Empire Strikes Back with my with my father. And here is this brooding, not even brooding, but this guy who didn't talk much. He was just a, he was a bad dude. He just walked in and, and you didn't have to hear him talk. He was just a bad dude, just the way he carried himself. And now he's sitting there and he's contemplating in, in a back to tank and doing all this happy stuff. And I'm not going to I'm not a fighter anymore. Well, it's, come on. It was, it was kind of lackluster for me. It, it's, it just broke that whole character for me wide open and just, I didn't like it. It was a bad egg. That, that egg that broke was just bad. Now I'll, I'll tell you something. I kind of something where I almost started liking chapter seven. And I, I, I'm curious, I, I'm guessing both of you guys have seen most of clone wars, if not all of it, yes. the, the Cad Bane stuff, the way they present him, I mean, he sounds great. They have the original voice actor doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, I don't like I, I wasn't part of the bandwagon who was like they should have drawn his face exactly like how they did in Clone Wars because because everyone else in Clone Wars looks like a normal human being <laughs> compared, compared to their actual actor self. Yeah. I, you know, I think I thought that his design and the way he talks and all that was great. I think 
I really liked his verbal exchanges with Boba Fett in this episode. But the weird thing for me is it's almost like they they're wrapping up a story that we never got. It's it's like they the, their exchanges have they emotional weight behind them before. They did this before Maul. Talking to Ahsoka in Rebels, referencing their fight, then later they were able to do the Clone Wars finale with that fight. So, okay, I saw so, Hatman making his whole universe. So now they're going to have that episode happen. Well, maybe it verges on directly referencing an unfinished episode of the Clone Wars. Cad Bane did, did everything short of pointing his finger exactly at the dent in Boba Fett's helmet saying, I did that. It's almost like if you didn't know about this that episode, it won't be a dent. <laughs> if you didn't know about that episode, you're missing something when you watch this. And I don't even know if we is that I like that episode is not even officially canon as far as I know. So it's just I like as it is now a decision like that seems so strange to me because it's like I barely remember Cad Bane's relationship with Boba Fett from the Clone Wars episodes we got. So to sort of tie up the seven episodes with some Cad Bane scenes where it's really the, the most emotionally engaged Boba Fett gets through for these seven episodes is talking to Cad Bane who were introduced pretty late in the season. And he, uh, maybe, maybe it's chapter five, or, but he has like one no, scene. Six. Okay. So it's six. So he gets one scene basically. And then a couple Two more scenes in, in this, in the final episode. I mean, I guess maybe you see what I'm saying. For the average viewer, Cad Bane is not the antagonist of this season, really. He's, but he has more engagement with Boba Fett than the Pikes do, even though he's like sort of their hired goon. So it's just like, it just seems like a wrap up. I did like their conversation. I did like how it ended. I, I mean, I, well, I think the, the, killing blow is embarrassing the way like this 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 very non-violent two inches of the end of the gaffy stick that stabs him and there's there's no blood on it or anything not they, they're but it's to, a callback chris it's a callback to, to what? show how far he's come and that all those things he learned from the from the tuscans paid off in the end timothy oliphant got hurt worse than Cad Bane did there and he's still alive so you know everybody I, has plot armor I yeah well uh, the t- speaking of plot armor like except for the Tuscans <laughs> or the Gamorrean guards rest in peace I exactly oh, you know what god I was waiting for that I was waiting for them to show up too like for the camera to pan around and you'd be sitting there like oh they're coming well and it's just an empty walkway they're gonna be here to save us We've learned that in, st- in the current iteration of Star Wars, that falling about 80 feet is way worse than being shot at numerous times like Black Kersantan was in this episode. I just want more consistent rules for the universe. I think I can hear you guys now saying, oh, listen to this guy. He wants real rules in Star Wars, this and that. I mean, a real lot sense, of practical effects, real rules. A lot of people were shot by blasters in this episode. And it's just whatever it's just like they decide whatever they decide each time how they how a blaster affects a person when they're shot with it the rancor gets shot by a tank it seems to 
singe his chest hairs a little bit or something. <laughs> I don't exactly know what happens there. Black Kersantan gets shot like five, six times to, to little effect. Uh, Timothy Oliphant gets shot once in the shoulder and requires the back to tank, but Black Kersantan is somehow still alive. I, 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 blasters are just very nebulous. There, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. No effect against Wookiee blood. That's what it is. It's, it's all about the Wookiee blood. I think there's cortosis R in Wookiee fur. That's what we're learning. I, I just feel like there's not enough care in, in setting up the, the rules because if you don't know the rules, you don't know where the, like, I'm no longer worried when people are shot. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not worried about it. I, I was all worried about Timothy Oliphant, but guess what? It was pointless because, well, Time makes fools of us all. Also, it wasn't very clear to me that that's who was in the back of the tank. Like I had, I think I asked or said something to somebody. I'm like, that was Oliphant's character, right? And they're like, yeah, how'd you not know that? I'm like, I didn't know. I'm like, it wasn't really shown to me. You know, maybe it's, maybe you weren't expecting that because his weak wave friend said that he was killed. Yep. It's cable. (laughs) It's, It's Josh Brolin. Well, I mean, I was like, is is it Cad Bane? I was like, I don't know. It could be anybody at this point, because why not? I can't remember if it's chapter three or four when Black Kersantan sneaks into the palace and has a wrestling match with Boba Fett. Uh, but it, it's episode three, the worst episode of the series. <laughs> yeah, House House Party three. That's right. That's what I, I was calling it at the time. But um, but but it's you know, it's the same thing I was saying about that. It's just like. Fett gets his spine cracked and he gets punched in the face with electric brass knuckles. And we're just, it's just this, the implications of violence are just so nebulous and plot connected that it, it's just the same thing happening to two different people plays out two different ways. I guess that's really what sort of t- takes me out of it the most. Um, but, you know, like I said, the conversation with Fett and Cad Bane, some good writing there and some good delivery. I think, that's some of Tamir Morrison's best acting in the whole series. He looks genuinely uncomfortable when he's about to be murdered by Cad Bane before he does that little reversal there. I think he's trying. I just, I don't, I, I, I think there's just, there's just something so surface level about the situations in this last episode and the arrangement of the pieces on the chessboard. Like, I don't know why they go to the burnt out sanctuary and use that as a forward operating base. I don't know why they station one of their very small team in four different parts of town in plain sight so that they could be easily spotted and documented and taken out without like they're you know they're like black or sand and stand in the middle of this market square for some reason and and the the two kids whose names are hilarious which i can't remember it was like skid mark and something else like whatever their names are <laughs> like, <laughs> close skid enough mark. those two guys are yeah, yeah, Willie. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> those two guys are just they're driving around their bikes um yeah and uh, you know i just don't like what was they were waiting for the people of freetown i guess to show up which who eventually did but they showed up in one clown car shooting out all the windows and like I, I, I don't know. I just thought this, the, the, I, I feel like they need to just give the audience more credit for, for the sake of the people who are going to call them out for it, not for the actual general audience who doesn't deserve more credit, but they need to give the audience more credit so that people don't talk about the show being such a juvenile thing. It's just people can handle a little bit more. 
like it's just like it's it's like the technology disappears it's like uh like fennec shan has that mapping droid that can just just tell her tell them everything they need to know about what's going on inside a building where does stuff like that go when you're in a life or death situation five minutes later you, you know it, like something like that would have come in handy a few times they would have probably known about those tank uh destroyer droids like a little bit earlier i just i don't know. They get them to tattooing by the way just just they must have checked those in their carry on the uh, in their check luggage i yeah. i mean because they obviously that's that's like gonna go gonna go take these heavily armed things on the local bus you know the destroyer Don't droids mind me the, the, their relative destroyer droids fold up pretty compactly maybe they were able to pay for a cargo rate and get them in there like a nice confined uh square when they, when they before they open up just love the we, we need to check your weapon droids yeah yeah he got a lot of trouble just bringing regular weapons on the on the plane so i don't know how that would have gone whoa whoa over. whoa 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 those uh whistling birds absolutely can't have those oh hello sir with your giant um 30 foot tall mech warrior yeah, that's fine. Just make sure you turn it off while it's in flight. Don't want to mess with the navigation yeah. computers. Make sure you check the ammunition on those things. Yeah. I didn't even think of that, but I mean, you know, um, what did uh, what did the story group say, Zinger? Uh, search, do, search for plot holes. Do not enjoy. You must. So I would love to enjoy it. It just was a, it was just a, like there, there was stuff to like across these seven episodes. There was just something very unarticulate about the way these these final chess pieces were put into place like you're we're, we're gonna have a final showdown on Tatooine and we're gonna have it in the hollowed out uh remains of sanctuary rather than at Jabba's palace like okay whatever you whatever you guys say uh, I guess they needed a city for for King Kong to run around and climb a tower and the least subtle reference of all time I, I you know, one thing I thought was they're like, in case these people don't realize that we're trying to say the Rancor is King Kong and the concept art at the end, he's holding up a green Twi'lek lady rather than whatever character he was actually holding up in the show. So they're like, just so you guys know for sure, this is King Kong. Here's him holding up a lady at the end in the concept art. Um, the Rancor gets shot a bunch. He gets his Luke killed him. Luke killed the Rancor by dropping a fence on his head. This Rancor goes through a lot of trauma in this, in this episode for a show that makes no problem out of killing wild animals on a weekly basis. So it just seemed a little, a little strange to me. I don't know. Obviously, you guys are sort of on the same page. No one's jumping out to defend it. I have a strong assumption that Zach wouldn't be jumping out to defend it either. I. It's like, like I said, my, my whole thing with this series is it exists. It's fine. There's nothing. There's gain from it with my love of Star Wars, but there's nothing lost from it. There are amazing elements existing in it, but overall, it's just a stepping as, as sad as it is. They made it obvious it's a stepping stone for things to come. Uh, you're going to fall asleep the minute I bring this up. But like, I genuinely thought that this show was going to harm the value of like, say, vintage Star Wars Boba Fett collectible items, for example. Not at all. You know, record record numbers across the board. I saw someone I saw someone bid five hundred dollars on a 
500 American do- real dollars, not Canadian dollars on Ooh. a on a on a ripped up Return of the Jedi Boba Fett card back. Not n- no figure, just the back of the card from 1983. Shocking. Um, you know, so uh, apparently it's not it's not destroying anyone's childhood <laughs> in- interpretation of Boba Fett. But I, I, you know, I expected it to have a little bit more of an impact um, on one sort of side note. Uh, we have very little to say about chapter seven here, but I, I am sort of curious to, to really reach and put an alternate spin on it. Joe, what did you what was your favorite thing about all seven episodes? Like if you had to pick one thing that you actually liked out of all of this. I liked seeing him get out of the Sarlacc pit. That was one of the one of the things that every I was waiting for. I don't know about everybody else, but here you have, you know, you, this is this is the this is the piece that is going to show that the guy gets out of the Sarlacc and he's 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 mad. And he's going to get it done. But then after that, it just kind of it's like his heart wasn't in it. Uh, that scene, like sort of the mechanics of him getting out of the Sarlacc and that moment, if it had stopped there. You would have said that, that, was been pretty, fine. that was pretty good. Yeah, that, that was would been a nice, nice 10 minute short episode. And I've been like, wow, this is amazing. This is how I that's how he got out. Wow. The part at the end when he sat there and shot the Sarlacc. Uh, OK, <laughs> like I said, no, no problem with destroying uh, megafauna in this in these yeah. Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett shows. So the Rancor, you know, I didn't expect him to make it out alive, but I guess it, they've humanized him a little bit, so they had no choice. But as but Zinger, I mean, I'm sh- you came in with no expectations. You repeatedly reiterated that. I'm yeah. sure there were. I'm sure there was something you liked about, but uh, across these seven episodes. Oh well, one of my favorite things in the Book of Boba Fett was catching up with Din Djarin. Oh wait, that that very doesn't you. You know, you know, my other favorite thing was seeing Ahsoka Tana and Luke be together in Book of Boba. Mm, like that doesn't work either. Not not a Boba Fett related scene. Um, ah, Luke training Grogu was a great. Oh, crud. That's um, getting to see the armorer get. Nope, not not Boba Fett. Black Crusantin was cool. Not Boba Fett. No, I actually, in all seriousness, the, 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 the train heist stuff was actually something early on that was really like hooked me. And then episode three was like, you're really lucky you had that train thing. Cause, woof. but no, I mean, the, 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 the train heist was really cool. And it's weird. Cause now I have a, well, I got a good train seat in Star Wars and a bad one. Cause that can technically be determined now. Like I said, there was some cool stuff in here, but I I think they sacrificed the story of Boba Fett to the writing gods to let's do some setup stuff so we don't have to waste Mandalorian episodes on it. And I'm glad you brought up chapter two, because I think that's the one where the where the huts are introduced at the very end. Mm-hmm. That's and, you know, and that, Black yeah, like that. And I mean, if you if you guys don't believe me, like my I had no cynicism with that when well, you can go back to our review of, of chapter two, like when the huts showed up and Black Chrysanthemum at the end of that episode, I was like, the world is our oyster, man. This is going to be some crazy nonsense for the rest of this series that just didn't just didn't pan out you know the huts no 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 chris there was crazy nonsense just not what you were expecting <laughs> the huts really were their huts were not uh, i really wanted more out of them just as an organization they disappeared they were afraid of the pikes who 
command the the Pikes Fly economy. They their central base of operations is about the size of a trailer. Uh, they have like twenty guys and two droids. You I don't d- understand the amount they save. They have saved on their. Co- I mean, on the flying economy. They're just so on, fiscally efficient that that's on, their, on, why they're deadly. On instead of having a giant like throne room area, it is a small corner office with no sign outside like they also also it's got open ceilings so it doesn't need air conditioning but it does leave you vulnerable to fennec shand assassination attempts how often does that happen on tattooing very but still they were so economically like financially able to just like they're like there's no we can go up against them they'll They'll deduct our murders on their taxes for for the um for the new republic next year. They're going to be so financially efficient with everything they're doing. Buying their own ships? No. Having strafing runs to attack Jabba or Boba Fett's palace? Never, never do that. Bring in super battle droids? Well, it was promising early on. I was I was still on board after chapter two. I, there was some good stuff that came later, but it felt really disjointed with the sort of narrative of the series. I think someday we'll find out like what weird thing happened that changed the course of this show or drastically interrupted it. M- maybe at some stage they were just planning it as like a two hour thing. And they're like, well, maybe we can turn it into something more than that. Like, I'm I don't telling know. You, I think it's they wanted to burn setup stuff in this then to waste time in the Mando seasons. And, and you know, and, and isn't the return of Grogu board? Like I, it's borderline. Like it, it just makes my cynicism like boil, you know? Cause it's just like, he spent like five minutes with Luke. He's back because the audience demands that he's back. He's not back for a story reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it's it's just it's just too obvious to me that he's back because because people like Baby Yoda. Yeah, I thought the Mandalorian when I saw that final chapter of the Mandalorian season two, I thought we were going to have. A, a crazy season where they re- retake Mandalore because, you you know, it would be it really irresponsible to bring a baby into that sort of a, a sort of a war zone. And I thought they were going to sidestep that issue. But uh, but but either they're just I don't think I think they're dropping that plot line altogether because in chapter five, they're like Bo-Katan is kind of a kind of a dummy. We shouldn't support her as a leader. That's what the armor was saying. So um, I think they're going to drop that. It's weird that you got to watch this to understand where Mandalorian season three is going to start. But yeah, there's a couple interesting things there. Um, they should probably just merge these episodes into the season two Mandalorian playlist so that people don't get confused when season three starts. I I think they're trying to establish what comic books have done for years where you got to go read like issue whatever of something else to get the full story, which is cool, but... Like I said, at the same time, it would have been harder for them to do it some flip-flop way of... I, like I said, if they just had a title card come up that said, meanwhile, I think I would have been more happy with um, episodes six and... S- five and six? Was it five and six? Yes, it was. Okay. Like like this had meanwhile or elsewhere in the galaxy. Would have been... Come like up with an- Star Wars, The Mandalorian presents the Book of Boba Fett. Right. Something like that. Where it's yeah, like, I, this is the interlude of Boba Fett. I, 
like I said, it's 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 a minor gripe, and I mean the ideal thing with them to been like to release a Mandalorian at like it titled the Mandalorian, but it would have confused people, and the people that got it would have been fine. But it's just because it's like they're trying to tell a overall story here, and you can't. I don't know. Like, like I said, it's fine. Am I ever going to go back? Is it something I'm going to chomp at the bit to watch over and over again? Mm, probably not. I would watch it over the uh, sequel trilogy. I actually don't have a strong opinion of which of those I'd rather watch again. I'll, I'll get Zach's strong opinion. Well, actually, according to the box office records, I mean, it would be a lot better for you to watch the the sequel trilogy because the box office. Now let's compare the end of um of of um, Rise of Skywalker to the newest um, movie by the Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters Afterlife, and see how that compares with the end battles. Zach, Hold on, I got 20 more minutes of talking. Zach does have this thing where he likes to use box office numbers as some sort of metric of whether or not a enter- an entertainment product has uh, some sort of narrative consistency. Or, or, God, or- I love it. As, or, or a soul of, for lack of a better word, which this, this does not. Um, I, it, I actually, as proof of that real quick, so I know we're going to talk about video games later. Um, proving once again that Square Enix, Square Salt, whatever they're called now, has no concept of what's good and what's bad anymore. The critically acclaimed, highly honored, up for game of the year in several people's opinion, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy got all this praise, but did not meet sales goals. So they were disappointed with it. So it's one of those things. Why am I sidetracking with that? Well, just to point out that you can't please everyone, even if you bring out something that's apparently perfect. Yeah, I know nothing about it. I'm sure I'm sure you're shocked, Zinger. Um, but is it is it good for gameplay mechanic reasons or is it good oh, it's because good it's a story both. that you enjoy? Both. It's got a great story. The gameplay mechanics are solid. Like it, it, I mean, it does lean heavily, kind of more heavily onto the Marvel Cinematic Universe version of the Guardians. But then again, they've adjusted that. Like I said, it's one of those things, Zach pointing out, you know, box office stuff and all that things like that. It's like, I like stuff that's critically acclaimed and box office be damned sometimes. If I find enjoyable, I'll watch the Meg for a 15th time. I mean, you, I was totally with you until you said that last little bit. I, I they're making a sequel. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. So, you know, the book series. Yeah, it's got it's a real book series that I'm sure is um variations on the core architect archetypal story of Moby Dick, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I will certainly never read them because oh, I've, read, I've read all of them, including there's a side one where it deals with the Loch Ness Monster. Everything I'm saying is actually accurate to the books. <laughs> Nice, nice. So uh, yeah, but please move on. You brought up video games. There was something that happened uh, last, last, late last month that I wanted to bring up um, that we didn't get a chance to talk about in any of our previous episodes. Um, Basically, in late January, we got another little sample of leaked footage from Star Wars thirteen thirteen, which was a canceled game from uh, quite a while back. I feel like it was in development in like twenty twelve or something like that. So we've had videos from it before. I think there was an E three video that showed a little bit of 
character interaction and a little bit of gameplay. Might as well see if there's any place more comfortable on this rust bucket. It's a long way down. Down? Yeah, down. The rings aren't on Coruscant. They're underneath it. It was contemporary for the time. There's like cover mechanics in the in the battles. It was sort of a third person platforming action adventure kind of sh shooter. You know, it was good. So it's weird for years and years to go by and more footage from this game to come out. And, you know, I think were it developed under a smaller uh, house, you might see some actual partial versions of the game leaking onto the internet, but that hasn't happened yet. But uh, we did get three more minutes of 1313 where you get to see uh, a, uh, a young Boba Fett in action walking through uh, Cantina on Coruscant and engaging in a sort of a foot chase uh, with a presumably a bounty he's hunting after. We've all heard about this game. If I'm not mistaken, it was going to be the first and only rated M Star Wars game. There's a lot of crazy concept art out there. Coruscant was going to be portrayed as a very weird place. You guys watched the video. What, what, what do you guys think of this new leaked video from 1313? Well, it, it looks like it would be from the same time period, you know, 2011, 2012. You know, back then it was what Call of Duty was the big thing. It was something to go against. It was Star Wars version of almost Call of Duty. It almost had a feel of like Metal Gear Solid to, to it, though. Except you're instead of stealthing, you're you're strutting around. They have a unique design for for Boba Fett that's sort of halfway between Django and it's sort of it, it, the look sort of evokes the fact that he's not into he's not evolved into his most refined form yet like uh in the in the gameplay footage you see he sort of chases somebody through some uh some building tops in coruscant and there's a rack of uh tauntaun carcasses hanging up in a crate that he runs mm -hmm. through and you get some nice physics there and it, you get this cool sort of half-baked boba fett that looks a lot like what din Djarin ended up looking like it's sort of a uh kit bashed armor and uh it it's just i think the my favorite part about it is in the first part of the clip you sort of see him walking through this cantina and you have some sort of dynamic interactions with the npcs and you can really observe life going on and it looks real in in these environments and you see NPCs interacting with each other in physical dynamic ways. One of the, one of the things I wasn't super crazy about with Fallen Order was that they sort of avoided those city environments. Like there was a few sort of base areas. Like I forget the planet where Saw Gerrera was set up in Fallen Order, but you could go back there and sort of roam around this this uh, rebellion base. And I, I like I think what it was missing was the sense that there was something going on. You know, you could talk to two or three characters, but they would always be standing in sort of one place. And it didn't feel like a sort of dynamic living environment in the way this this does. So I, I think there's definitely something 
something they they could have like there was something new about this that they hadn't done before in a Star Wars game. And it's a shame it got canceled. If they finished it, I would still play it. It doesn't look that old to me. Like some of the graphics are unfinished. Like you see some big moving pieces that don't have textures on them and stuff. But it, it doesn't it, it doesn't look old to me. where it was. Yeah. In development. It, it looks pretty. It looks like I would still enjoy it now. 2012 is around the time a lot of the stuff was being revealed for it during its development. So, I mean, 10 years old. Uh, that would have been the PlayStation 3 and 360 generation. Uh, Cover-based shooting was a huge thing. Gears of War would have been something then. Uh, Army of Two, I can think of that. So that's where a lot of this, and I'm pretty sure, um, uh, the Uncharted series, I'm pretty sure the other concept video I've seen for this showed cover-based stuff um, as well. This was a nice like concept thing. It showed some physics stuff later. It's... Like I said, it's weird that this game is getting hailed as like something the what could have been. Um, my thing is this, and this is just me, just one being me and two also just pointing out something, which is more likely us getting detours or us getting a finished version of this. Equally unlikely. Okay. Because I was about to say detours is like done, actually done. So, well, most of it is, but still it's, it's one of those things that it's hard to believe this keeps on with the following it has. There's also that other Star Wars game that got announced that was being, I can't remember who was doing it, but it was some other studio was doing it. And it was supposed to be like, you're, you're somebody, you're like a spy for the rebels or something. And it was the, like, the lead developer was somebody from the, who worked on Uncharted, but I can't remember yep, her name. Yep, yeah. No. And I mean, we got a ton of stuff for that. And that's gone. That that blanked out of existence. And nobody that's, I think, going to be the next generation's 1313. Yeah. You know what? I take it back. It's not equally unlikely because you're right that detours is essentially a 2D video that is completed. And and uh, I think at this point, it would be too much work to sort of dig up old files from 2011 and 2012 and finish this game. It's just not something that's done per se. It, we, we all know that when, when a game is in development hell for a period of time that long, such as um, the archetypal example, Duke Nukem forever. What God, they, I've been what, watching so much stuff on that today and it was what? unrelated to this conversation. So that's, it's great that it comes well, up. Continue, please. Well, as you will, as you will have just learned Zinger, what they instead do is they restart the game from scratch four or five times rather than carrying on from the files that they already had. They, they, they leave it the same title, but you know, focus changes from a corporate perspective. The weird thing is one of the analysts I was watching that was talking about it and, and they make a good point is Playing the actual Duke Nukem game is like playing through gaming history of when Duke Nukem came out to when the forever came out, because you get like a cross section of like the um, the doom game. Then you move into like the like stuff later on and late and then and it sort of ends with the um, with the uh call of duty esque kind of it's it's weird because they, they they said it's like they, they picked up where somebody else left off and just updated wherever they needed to sort of but no i mean it's it's one of those things duke nukem never would live up that that game was destined to fail no matter what you did but if you want a good use of the duke nukem ip buy bullet storm which is already a what the crap game are you talking about 
but get it with the Duke Nukem as the character, and it's the Duke Nukem character voicing over the main character the entire time. They don't change anyone's dialogue. It's just him sitting there, and every time they say the character that you're playing as name, he's like, no, my name's Duke. Why do you keep calling me that? That sounds pretty good. You know, um, the guy who does... I don't know. It's probably not his real name, but the guy who does Duke Nukem's voice is credited as John St. John, I believe. I believe. Yeah. And uh, I, I believe he has a um, what do you call that site? Uh, a cameo account, because I've heard some podcasts where like oh. he, where where he does the intro. And I that tickled me, man. It was good. It was fun hearing Duke Nukem introduce some video gaming related podcasts. But uh, but, uh, you know, that's just a it's a it's a fun story because like I think that the development period on that game from from start to release you can't even call it the same game, but it was like pushing 20 years or something. Right. It was probably like looking it up. Yeah. I want to know, but I just mean, you know, they started over again. So, you know, it's not equally likely detours detours could happen. I think when you'll get detours is when they've sufficiently degraded the star Wars brand cachet. So (laughs) do newcomb forever was announced in 1997. And now let me guess the release year, uh, 2011, 2011. All right, All Joe, right. you, you, you want to guess real quick? <laughs> oh, you, you didn't confirm I was right. Oh, no, no, oh. no. I, I, I was taking your. OK, your one Say with 2015, 2015. All right. All right. Um, apologies to you, Joe, but June 10th, 2011. Sorry, nice. sorry. Wait, my bad. June 14th was the North American release. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have gone it past the so, year. So but... what? Fifteen years? Yeah, I'm but... doing my vague off top the head <laughs> math correct. That is beautiful, and you know, it, you know, it did. But it, as little fanfare as it got, it wasn't a disaster to play. All that to say, though, if they did sort of go back to this idea, you'd be get of thirteen thirteen. You'd be getting it in name only, and I don't think they would have sort of pushed the envelope to the same degree they had intended to at the time. A lot of the talk about the rating was it was divisive when they were talking about a potentially rated M Star Wars game. And the the comments, the few comments you can f- still find from developers were just saying it's just certain facets of the narrative. Like it's it's it, they thought to talk about stuff like underworld crime and spice dealing, they would have to just make it rated M so they didn't have to justify every single little thing that they were they were doing. They're just like stuff's going to come up in the story that's going to disqualify us from a teen rating. Imagine doing that by design, whereas now you get and Zinger and my uh, one of our favorite franchises is Halo. And like they are going out of their way to make that game rated teen the last two for like, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's helping. I don't know if it's helping the story. Um, like, I don't think it's changed it that much. I think they would probably be comparable games whether they're rated m or not but it's like halo for me always existed as a game and even when i worked at gamestop like if it was an m-rated game i normally was that jag behind the counter that the kid would come up with his parents be like i want to buy the m-rated game oh what's it rated m4 for halo i'd be like i mean it's got blood and stuff like that like it says on the back but if you're playing online you're going to hear some crap for like Grand Theft Auto, I'd be like, um, yeah, don't buy this for your kid. Yeah. But like I said, H- Halo, I'm like, 
I mean, if you shoot somebody and their head's not going to explode or something, I mean, it's got blood splatter, but by, but Halo by modern standards is a T rated game going all the way back, in my opinion. Interesting. By modern standards. Like when you compare it to its contemporaries, like Gears of War, like Gears of War, I could pop somebody's head off and just blood everywhere. Halo, I get I get somebody just says headshot. I mean, it's it's as violent as um Fortnite, to be honest. Yeah. I will give it to Reach, though, if I'm remembering correctly. Reach had the like execution moves you could do. They actually kept that in four and five as well, but they got yeah. rid of it. It's not an infinite though. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say the 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 execution moves them a little bit more necessary to be like, yeah, that's a little bit more. But like <laughs> I said, overall, it's yeah, it's really like I'm like, it's it should be rated T. Right. The only well, reason it should be rated M is because of the disgusting people you have to deal with online playing it. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that's less of, I think that's less of a thing these days. You know, I play some, some, um, I, well, I think first of all, people are, they've, they realize that if they talk like they, they were on Xbox live in 2008 today that you will, it it will follow you around. (laughs) Something will happen. You can't do that. You don't know who's streaming and you don't know where you're going to end up on. Yeah. And I, I mean, I play a lot of, uh, I've, I've played some infinite without being in a party and I, you, you sometimes hear one articulate guy in a match who has his mic on, but not playing with his friends. Like it's almost a weird thing to do is have your mic on, even it's if you're not strange, playing though. with your friends. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think you experience that too much anymore, but um, you know, uh, like I'm just trying to imagine the perspective of Zach while he's listening to us talk about halo. And I would, and I would, just, I would just like to sort of point out that, it makes you think about the possibilities of all the games we could could be talking about had there been a comparable amount of Star Wars games released in the past few well, years. Well, we're That's- supposed to be getting more, which is good. I'm I've heard Respawn is working on not only a follow up to um, Fallen Fall Order, Order, but they're supposed to be working on something else too, which always got me weird because I'm like. Respawn isn't Respawn's known for like shooter stuff. So it's really weird. They want a different direct, but like I said, still a good game. Still need to beat it. Sorry. You got, you kept talking about halo so much. I need to check what's, what's going on on it real quick. (laughs) Well, you know, they did the Tenerai event again, as, as of course, Joe knows he's working away his way through the Tenerai event Uh, (laughs) uh, real hard. And, uh, uh, that was wrapping up this week, but um, you know, you know, um, I think Zinger, you were gonna, you had something else you wanted to talk about about something else coming to the Switch. Is that I, right? I've I have two things left. I I have I have some toy news I'd like to go over real quick. But coming to the Switch, and this is something I talked about on Zingness, and I was very confused and got even more confused. Star Wars: The Force Unleashed will be getting released for the Switch. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there going, oh, boy, I can play like one of the um, whatever versions of it, like the 360 or the. Is it the PS2 version? No, it's the it's the Wii version. Mm. Is that closer to the 360 version than the PS2 version? (laughs) No, it's it's I mean, they have a fight. They have like where you can do verses. And that's like the only cool thing. So there's going to be so there's actually going to be online multiplayer for it. I don't know if they're going to do online multiplayer, but 
um, you could do like couch multiplayer, but it was just weird. So I'm like, the switch could definitely handle force unleashed on the 360 or PS three. Why did they not go with that one? Cause this looks like garbage. And that's so, coming from a fan of this. The Force Unleashed was one of the last games to co- come out for PS2 that they like. And it was a whole, the PS2 version was a whole different version from the 360 and PS3 mm-hmm. as well. It was closer to the, um, to this version. So, if I remember so, correctly. So yeah, that, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, I, it kind of appeals to me just in the sense that I never played that version of it. So I, I would just avoid it at all costs. Well, considering you can get the actual game on an X, if you have an Xbox One, you can just get the actual game. I don't know why you would do that. Yeah. Or or if you have a PC, just buy it on Steam. Just get the good version. Okay. That's it. Like I, I didn't hear that news. That's interesting. I like, you know, I'm 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 pro buy that version. Yeah, so. exactly. I'm pro any Force Unleashed news. But, I mean, but, I am too, but at, at this point, I'm like, but why? At this point, I fear you're doing more harm than good. Yeah. Uh, my um, my other news is Lego related because, of course, if I'm talking about anything Star Wars, it's Lego related. So I know it's kind of older stuff, but there has been a few newer things dropping. So we got the Dark Trooper helmet coming out. We got Mando helmet, and we got Luke Skywalker Red Five helmet. So for the helmet series, we got three new ones coming out. But recently, the Mandalorian N1 Starfighter. So we're getting that. We're also getting the um, Dark Trooper attack, which is some Dark Troopers versus a cloaked Luke, a Darth Maul keychain, and finally, Boba Fett's throne room. So out of all these, I want the Mando helmet, the N1 um, Starfighter, because that just looks cool, and the Darth Maul keychain. And Ellie is forcing me to buy the Darth Trooper helmet because we need to get all the helmets, according to her. Nice. She'll probably buy the Boba Fett's throne room, though. So I, I, I said it's cool that we're getting some stuff with this. Got a got it. Got a nice new Boba Fett minifig. Got some Gamorrean minifigs. Got a got a big old um Bib Fortuna minifig. So hooray. But anyways, that's my news for for Legos. So it comes with a so you can act. So wait, hold on. So the, the Bib Fortuna that comes with the throne room, like you can tell that he's actually overweight. No, I'm I'm just okay. <laughs> okay, okay, that because I that would be a new one for a minifig, as far as I know. That's you know that's kind of interesting. It is still weird to me to see like dark troopers becoming a thing again after after you know their their introduction like 27 years ago in a 1995 video game. Um, Heck, man, I can use them in the strategy game. They're not robots, though, but. Right. Yeah. You know, they had to remove the they had to remove the human component because that was really what was holding them back, you know, um, according to Moff Gideon. But, you know, the Dark Troopers and and uh, I can't believe you have to clarify this, but the first time there was a Battlefront 2, there was Dark Troopers. I have that helmet. I have the Dark Trooper helmet. It's pretty cool. Also, I think. Force Unleashed had Dark Troopers. I don't remember that, but they had some Stormtroopers that had like electric staffs that had black armor. Okay, that but, may be what I'm thinking of. That. Yeah, but um, but you know, so like that. So you're actually are you gonna get the Lego uh, Boba Fett's throne room? I have little to no interest in it, to be honest. Oh, Ellie yeah. will get it though, so I don't see. 
I've started to learn what sets I should vaguely be interested in and what ones I'm not allowed to be interested in because Ellie's going to buy them. She's also almost done with uh, Moss Eisley Cantina. That's why I think she's probably going to want to get the throne room. Yeah, that Cantina was pretty special. But the reason I asked was um, Hasbro, in the last couple of weeks, Hasbro showed off a Boba Fett's throne room as well that also comes with a 3.75 inch fat bib Fortuna. And I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know if you guys saw this, but this is like, I think it's $200. It's like 20 inches wide. And it's like the, the area around the throne, basically. It comes with like 50 accessories of like little goblets and plates. And like, and it has like the barbecue from behind, that goes behind Jabba. With, <laughs> so they can like... Ro- the, the Lego one's got that too. Yeah, it's very similar in terms of what's available on it. I'm tempted to get it just because you can slide the like 2010 Jabba into it and like just have it turn it into like a proper Jabba's palace uh, diorama, which like, I, I don't know. I might, I might still go through with it just because of that. But I was just wondering if you, if you saw that, that looks pretty good. If it's not Lego, I don't right. care. All right. Well, you know, I know Joe's going to have very little to say on the, on the um, polymer uh, based Star Wars collectible front. But so, uh, like, I just I, I got to pull over the the two things I picked up recently, which were a uh, the droids Boba Fett, which I've got with the his fork weapon from the 2010 figure, because that's as God intended it to look. And I also got this new uh, Bib Fortuna from Return of the Jedi, not the fat Bib Fortuna, which like he is beautiful. Like he is a handsome figure with like funny long nails, and he's making an offensive gesture with his one hand here that. Uh, that was, you know, Zach talked about it being censored recently, that gesture. Um, these are really cool. And they're both like ideal versions of these characters that were sullied with the book of Boba Fett series. So, <laughs> so like both these guys, you know, they occupied the same throne. This is how they were. This is some of the, the some of the best they ever looked. This is a good, the, these are great. Like this is that return of the Jedi figure they just came out with, but painted with the droids colors. Like that is just that's just so fun. You know, that looks great. They save money painting them really, but it's still fun. Like, look at that jetpack. This is how economized it is. There's nothing on that jetpack. It is a gummy sort of brown tan plastic. There's not a drop of paint on it and it's still hilarious and fun. And I'm fully in favor of it and would buy extras if I ever saw them. I'm, I'm holding up my Lego star destroyer keychain because, because I think this is show and tell hour. So. Well, you know, I need to I need to provide visual aids, Zinger, because you guys would not know what I was talking about otherwise. Sorry, quick side note, as opposed to we know what you're talking about when you're showing us and actually telling us too. Well, da, 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 da. <laughs> uh, you know what? Am I reaching thinking, that, assuming that you guys have seen the, the droids episodes that feature Boba Fett? You know, uh, let, let me let me. It's actually I think it's just one episode, but let me tell you, he does stuff. In it, he races a car. He shoots at people. Uh, it's good times. I want you to make them pay. I will do as you ask, size from. Who's he talking to? I should mention I'm not getting along with some of the other gang leaders. Jabba the Hutt has a reward out for you. Oh, you, you can't tell him I'm here. Have no fear, size from. I owe you a favor. I shall do as you ask. Good. Use any means you want. Just bring those meddlers to me. No one escapes me. I have someone on the job. Just remember, 
Boba Fett. After this, we are settled, size from. After this, I owe you nothing. Why are we getting mixed up with that bounty hunter? Uh, they don't come much worse than him. I almost feel sorry for those two speeder racers. Basically, in that episode, Boba Fett enters the Boonta Eve pod race and like and like sabotages people. Like it's a good time. Oh, speaking of, speaking of, I do want to give you this since I know we're about to wrap up. Um, Ellie was watching episode one of Book of Boba Fett. We got to the scene where it showed Moss Espa. I'm like, oh, fun fact. There was a long discussion on Knights of Vader, about, and she pauses it. Fun fact, uh, there was a long discussion on Knights of Vader, because you know this is the same city that the whole pod race and stuff takes place in, and also where Anna gets from. And the argument was like, where is this crater thing during the whole thing? And she literally turned around, stared at me, and said, I don't know where the volume control is, or I would have turned it up, so I had to pause it instead. Are you done? And I was like, don't you find that interest? And she goes, I can watch this or I can. It's your choice. Right. And she's she's basically looking for a reason to turn it off. And and she and you were almost <laughs> and you almost gave it to her. Um, I, I think she was looking for a reason to get me to leave for before I started spouting more Knights of Vader fun facts, but which are as what is called in my house. I could cuss out loud yeah. around the children. But if I give a Knights of Vader fun fact, oh, boy, there's a jar for that. You know, I've sort of come around on the Moss Espa crater because, frankly, you don't get a good look at it in episode one. And it is a dumb thing to hone in on. But the reason I, I think we can all sort of relate. The reason you hone in on stuff like that is because the 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 core narrative of the media is not grabbing you in such a way that that's what you're thinking about. <laughs> It's 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 the reason why the old man, not my Star Wars guys say that there shouldn't be fluorescent colored motorbikes on on in Moss Espa on Tatooine. It's 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 not the color of the bikes. That's the problem. It's the fact that you are either either the media is terrible or you're jaded and you can't get into it anymore. But either way, the it's not grabbing you. So you're honing in on weird aesthetic things that that stand out to you. And I think I, I, I'm on the team that says the media is pretty much terrible. I could be wrong. I'm on the team that the only reason I know these terrible facts is because I host a podcast where you talk about them. Otherwise, I was completely content with, oh, wait, this is the same place Anakin was at. Oh, cool. Not going to think about it anymore. Joe, your opinion. It's very confusing to me because here you you're introduced to a bunch of these people who not only pay to get themselves upgraded with droid parts, but yet can afford to drive around in these shiny bright colored mopeds space mopeds this is what i'm talking about the mandalorian has to sit there and scratch for an n1 chassis for his new star cruiser yet these these people that we just got introduced to don't have a job can't pay for water yet are riding around on these brand new mopeds so what you're saying is this you refer to them as space mopeds, which is a misnomer. They can't travel in space to the best of my knowledge. I want out-of-atmosphere scooters immediately. Um, I think those existed in the Clone Wars. I feel like I have a vision of somebody with a fishbowl helmet driving around a speeder in space. Um, but, you know, the, but Joe just did the thing, though. He just did the thing where he's like, like, I don't, I don't, I can't rationalize 
how these dumb characters can spend all this money on their bikes. It's like you shouldn't have been you shouldn't have been bored to the point where you got to the stage where you're thinking about that. That's that's my perspective on it. That, you know what I mean? They should have they should have engaged you emotionally and intellectually in some way that made you not look over there. It's like it's the whole Wizard of Oz thing. Like, don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain because the big giant green illuminated face is far more interesting. Well, it wasn't far more interesting this time. So you started looking around. And exactly. You, you have a, you have this place, which is full of sand and there is no bright colors anywhere to be found. And what do they have? They have the brightest blue and they have the brightest red and green little, little speeder bikes, little Vespas that they're sitting there going around, going around the city. and mind you, they have, they have enough money to put wax on those damn things because they're not even dirty at all. You're going through all that sand. Well, what is going on? Well, not you know, Star Wars. There you go. So like he's 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 continuing to prove my point. Um, and, and, you know, I did try. I really honestly tried to rewatch this episode before we talked. And uh, I couldn't like I, I wasn't giving it my full attention. I'll be honest. But I did notice there is one shot where one of these mopeds is is blasted and like totally wrecked so like you, you had a gif of that should should be floating around somewhere so you could see that and uh and find some solace in the fact that one of them was destroyed in this episode but when it comes back it's going to be fully repainted in a bright pink color okay jeez. Like, <laughs> okay so like the, they got a, they got quite the body shop on tatooine listen a I mean, place hey, that doesn't have water the, you know a lot can change and a lot can change one uh, after the empire is defeated you know moss exactly. moss Eisley, all the all, all the business left moss Eisley and went to moss espa but um so so just uh just to sort of sort of try and sort of wrap this up a little bit i feel like you guys are sort of on the same page where like you're not uh, morally affronted by the existence of this show but it's not it didn't really do that much for you so could we agree that um as much as some people said there were filler episodes of the mandalorian this is like an order of magnitude worse than either of those two seasons is that right or am i crazy that's what i've been saying all the time i said that i feel like this was filler like this was done so they didn't have to do filler probably in the next one that they that they did this as a we're going to get a lot of the story BS out of the way and give you what's going on everywhere else. So we don't have to distract from focusing in on what's going on with the Mandalorian next season. Because this so, series was a complete distraction. That's why. So here's the, so here's thing. So here, that's the here's the crazy thing, though. Now, the fact that I'm still excited to see Obi-Wan, is that a, is that evidence of myself having mental illness? No, I keep forgetting that it's going to exist. Joe, has this has has the book of Boba Fett hindered your excitement for the Obi-Wan series? Yes. Yes. And the only reason why is how is what else are they going to introduce that's going to screw up my childhood? No, 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 no. See what they're going to introduce. Hold on, Joe. I can't tell if you're playing a very elaborate form of satire where you're lampooning the opposite side of your argument by uh, like, you know, I can't tell if that's what you're up to elaborate. Like, are you like, are, are, do you feel this way? Actually, I do. I do feel this way, actually. And it's it's. It's like I'm having a midlife crisis. I'm not buying a car or anything. I'm watching goddamn disney plus star wars and i think i'm gonna have a breakdown because everything i know is a is is false it's a lie obi-wan didn't have his second meeting with darth vader on the death star he's gonna have it on his disney plus show 
You know, that's it's like what else? What other lies have they been telling me this whole time? It's like there is no spoon. I'm like, my God. Well, you know, like the, um, Joe, you just need to rationalize that all of the all, everything since 2012 is basically written by Christopher Tolkien. You have to look at it that way. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what is up, what is down. I'm all I'm I know confused. is confused. I'm I'm so excited <laughs> to see Din Djarin in the book of Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, it, he'll, he will be an Obi Wan Kenobi, not as a kid, not younger version of him. It will be his the version we are always seeing. He'll somehow be there too. Be like I'm looking will, for a kid. And they will cut away for three episodes to go to see what he's doing. No, in it's the present it, day. Exactly. In a show set in the past. Because Obi-Wan Kenobi threw away like a rapper and he's like, I found this rapper. Maybe Grogu could use this to, to gain his force abilities. And it's Obi-Wan Kenobi's like, remember to put the toilet episodes, seat down. You know, three episodes devoted to that. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if they like now here's a way they could actually do it where if oh they if they if if uh, if Din found like a holocron like the one Ezra oh. had had in Rebels where he, where it was like maybe Obi-Wan was like documenting some of his tomfoolery on Tatooine in those intervening years and it just intro intro ludes with with Din watching watching uh like it's it's like a, you know like in this you know in the thing when when Kurt- oh god no I got it. <laughs> I, I I could make this worse. I can make this worse. That's the sad part. He finds a holocron, tries to work it, doesn't get it to work, goes to do something else and just leaves it. And then Grogu comes up, gets it to activate. And then that's how we introduce each episode is Grogu watching the holocron. How how angry is everyone at that statement? I think the fact that we survived the solo movie without Billy D Williams or Harrison Ford having like in the opening scene where they like talk about their past. I think we're safe from that happening, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them, but that would be a mechanic they could use because then, then should be like sub 10 years old at the time of the Obi-Wan series. Like hopefully maybe, maybe a little older yeah, than that, but he's, he's older than that. Yeah. maybe a little bit. Cause he's like, a, he's like, he looked like he's like five in the clone wars. So like, yeah. it's, it's a little while after that, but, uh, but you know, it, it really wouldn't make sense, but I am enjoying the memes that are all implying that the Obi-Wan series is just going to be a secret Trojan horse of the Mandalorian <laughs> season four. Oh, watch it. You're going to see like the first two episodes. He's going to name drop Grogu and he's going to be like, I wonder what happened to Grogu. And then next, you know, you can see baby Yoda, Ah, so basically, and then next thing you know, it's gonna be like, "Oh, Grogu, how are you?" It's gonna flash back to his time in the Jedi Temple with Obi Wan. They're gonna pal around, and they're gonna sit there and eat frogs together. Oh, it's gonna be absolutely phenomenal. So there's and I'm four, pull my hair out. <laughs> there's four or five ways they could do it. Is what we've learned. Yeah. Yes, there's many ways that they could <laughs> they can mess this up. Uh, you People know, we're gonna need therapy after it. That's what they're gonna do. I. Re- I re- <laughs> You know, I remember thinking there's there's only like back when Book of Boba Fett was six episodes. There's only six episodes. Surely there's no room for nonsense here. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of room for nonsense. If anything, this is this is giving us the example of what nonsense and tomfoolery that they can actually produce on a Disney Plus show. That's the thing. Watch, you're going to have Bo-Katan come in. 
And she's going to come in unaging and she's going to be like, oh, Obi-Wan, how are you? And he's going to be like, oh, I'm fine. And we're like, do you remember Grogu? I had him at the Jedi Temple. You saw him once. Really? I don't remember that. Flashback. Here comes Grogu with Obi-Wan. He's going to sit there and be like, hey, this is my little Yoda. Yeah. So, now, I, so Grogu this, defeats Thrawn is what you're saying. Oh, God, no. If, if, if there is something I am living in fear of, it's it's live action Thrawn. Because I'm like, I as, as a character I do deeply love, I'm like, God dang it, they're going to ruin him. But isn't your current conception of Thrawn at this point more based on the contemporary canon novels than the old ones? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's 100% based on the contemporary novels. And wondering what the heck happened in the Rebels show. Because I'm like, well, I mean, it's same character and name. Is it? Do you mean in the sense that the the uh, his his intellect is sort of bludgeoned because it had to be palatable to children, or what are we talking about? He's a uh, more unhinged. Like he's always the calm, collected one in the books, and in that he gets like over angry, he gets a little unhinged and stuff. Which I'm like, that's out of character for him. Like something like him in a live action, I would like to see him actually like internal monologue and then have him just saying live action. That's nice. But meanwhile, you get to see here is full you, thoughts. Uh, if that'd be a, that first would for be Star Wars. awesome if they actually did that because he's, he's always so mild mannered. He's always so precise. Because, he doesn't give up anything. Yeah. Because he's normally in inter- Like that's the funny thing in the books is you get so much internal, just it's, it's not him thinking about the situation. It's just him analyzing what's going on. And like his really speaking cool. parts would be nothing, but it's all of his stuff in his head that he's talking about. It, it, it'd be it'd be him setting up some outrageous situation and then someone would be like, well, you're leaving us open to attack, sir, perhaps. And then yeah. and then later when like, oh, we're open for attack. And then it's like, oh, well, actually, I had start. I had stormtroopers set up behind those barriers that you didn't see. And now they popped out. Now we have the advantage. Oh, tactical genius thrown. Yes, perhaps. Oh, but but the thing is, you need to get somebody else to explain his tactics and him just to stand there stoically watching it all play out. You need an exposition. He he should be the one giving the exposition as it's no, it doesn't work in his head. You need somebody else to see how like to just worship at the ground he walks on. Is it presented that Thrawn sort of? sees sees the world like the matrix where like he can just like run calculations on like how everything's gonna work like is um it, is he given like a superhuman i've never read any of these canon novels about him like is it okay if i remember correctly he's able chis vision can like see a little bit above the human spectrum so he can like basically detect if someone's face is getting like if if more blood flows go into their face or coming out of their face, he's very like, that's a lot of what's in the books is when he's talking to somebody, he'll be like, there you have subtle facial movements. Notice. I also noticed that their cheeks are becoming more flush, which means they're getting embarrassed of this conversation. Like it's stuff like that to where it's him basically being able to tactically pick apart that showing that he can do that with that, with a situation one-on-one but also being able to tactically pick apart a battle situation as well, just because of the way his mind works and the way that he can look at art and stuff like that and be able to tell you about the culture. So basically like you, I I assume you 
accepted that we're going to see some sort of conclusion to the canonical Thrawn on Disney Plus, whether it's two or three years from now. <laughs> so, like, do you think he's the thing is, if they paint him as a villain, he isn't in the books. He's just sort of he's yes, he works for the Empire, but he's kind of just he's there to serve the Empire because that's what his task is at the time to do. He's just kind of a middleman in the sense of he's not. Now, like I said Rebels paints a little bit different picture of him to an extent, but he's not evil. He's just serving his purpose for the Empire at the time, which also is why. I mean, would he have been a better villain for the sequel trilogy like they did in the books? I mean, it'd be interesting because it goes against what they kind of like. He was more for the chist, to be honest, than for the emperor. Plus, if the emperor is gone, he has no reason to serve. I, I just wonder if the way they've sort of humanized him in, in the what is it? Nine novels in canon, something like that. Six. OK, but there there's three trilogies, two of which are canon. Okay, so do you think uh, do you do you think that the wood they've humanized him to such an extent that he has his own set of plot armor where like this Disney Plus interaction with him is going to be resolved without him actually kicking the bucket? I don't know if he's safe now. I mean, I don't know. I want to say yes, he does have enough plot armor to get around that, but at the same time, they do need a villain. And it would just be, I don't know, it's also I get this kind of scary feeling of, oh, they're going to make Thrawn trying to rebuild the Empire or something. I'm still excited about that. I think it's uh, I think it's it's going to be interesting. This this book of Boba Fett hasn't really waned my excitement for Obi-Wan because I think it's narratively disconnected enough from this sort of very convoluted post Return of the Jedi time period that it's. It's just the issues of post-Empire are just not at play in the Obi-Wan series. And I think that's where some of the some of the more interesting Disney era content has come out. Obviously, the not my Star Wars crew thinks Rogue One is the best movie since Disney took over. Uh, I'll I'll throw my hat in with those guys, I guess. I think I mean, I'm even, not, not my Star Wars, but I also <laughs> think it's one of the best movies to come out. <laughs> yeah, like even the solo like my, my, yeah, even the solo movie, like I don't like that movie. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't like it. It's not that it's not that I think it's terrible. It's just that it made me feel absolutely nothing. But my favorite part of it, which is a was a post-production decision, but it's the transition from him signing up with the empire to like that harsh transition where you see like the walkers getting dropped down on Mimban. Like, I think that's, that's a, that's a great part of that movie. The rest of it, I mostly could have fallen asleep, but uh, the, you know, the, the empire era stuff, they seem to have a lot of success with. I like it's, it's, it's narratively compelling in a, in a way where it doesn't get too sort of caught up in itself. And I think it's because it's tied to the f- six movies in a way that they, they can't play with where it's going. So I think it's, it, it, it works in that way. So, mm. so um, I don't, I don't know. I I'm still pretty excited for Obi-Wan and uh, I, I hope that I can remember what was mildly interesting from a technological advancement standpoint about the book of Boba Fett and, and forget chapter seven. But uh, other than that, I think I've sort of expressed myself as much as I possibly can about this episode. How about you guys? I'm good. I would think that he would bring back the Bantha to the palace, you know, especially when he's strolling through the, the streets, he have his, his buddy, the Bantha coming out with him. <laughs> what I, and then that it's going to be the awesome. book of Bantha Fett. 
All right. It's going to be season two of the book of Bubba Fett is the book of Bantha Fett and, and how he his. Joe, I'm just glad that you sort of kept those thoughts till the end of the recording. Um, I, so, 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 you know, um, Zinger, Zinger's <laughs> going to Zinger's going to talk. Zinger's going to talk about uh, about this episode on his show. You know, we can we can freely plug Zinger's show because Zach's not here. So Zinger's going to talk about uh, the book of Boba Fett, Chapter seven with somebody who's less steeped who cares less about all this stuff so that might be interesting that'll be definitely different two people this. actually yeah they, they you know they're not going to be they're not going to be jaded and haterish like me they're going to have open minds about it and maybe you'll get an objective read and wouldn't it be funny if that objective read aligned with with our opinion that'd be funny yeah it should be out this week if you're listening to this uh Zygmunt should have it out this week uh episode 294 of the podcast yeah you got to factor in the ones that you completely buried because they weren't fit for public consumption and you, you gotta yep. like figure out where you're at joe joe any parting thoughts about the entire series of the book of boba fett and how it warmed your soul i warmed my soul well, god there's a dead place in my in my heart that the book of boba fett's gonna have um but hey you know mandalorian season three is going to be coming out when are we going to see grogu in his full mandalorian armor who knows Maybe it's going to be the Ahsoka show. Who knows? Stay tuned. It shouldn't be until about 150 ABY that he's like ready to like wear actual gear. But um, and but anyways, you know, like uh, if our if our hater if our hating ways haven't alienated you to the point where you wouldn't like to hear more, please go ahead and and follow <laughs> KOV podcast on Instagram, where you can be subject to what I think is interesting about Star Wars, which usually relates to polymer based collectible items. And I'll let you know when new episodes come out over there. And um, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, I'm still excited for Obi Wan. It sounds like let me put a, a guess out there and say even though Joe's excitement has been waned, he's definitely going to watch Obi-Wan. It's not Obi-Wan's not going to ruin Joe's childhood no matter what because it's prequel stuff. So it's fine. It's fine. So he Joe's safe to watch Obi-Wan. I know Zinger's going to watch Obi-Wan and we'll talk about that stuff when it comes to it. So thanks mm-hmm. for listening and have a good night. I'm turning you over to Jabba the Hutt for the reward. No!